In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the fourth Sunday of uh, Thawut, and today the gospel is from uh, Luke chapter 7. And it's a famous gospel because we pray this gospel every day. It's one of the gospels that the church instructed us to pray every day. And we pray it every day in the second watch of the midnight hour. And if the church sets a reading for us to do every day, then there must be a point to it. And there must be lots of important reasons or an important message for us to hear about daily. So today I wanted to speak about four lessons we can learn from this story. Four lessons that we can learn from this story um, about the sinful woman. I think the first lesson we can learn about is boldness. First lesson is boldness. I want you to imagine with me, you're having a little dinner party. So you're having a little dinner party, and you invited the Lord Jesus Christ to your dinner party. And then, in the middle of dinner, when things are starting to be nice and calm, someone just barges in, knocks at the door, and walks in. And then what makes things even more awkward is that this person that walked in isn't dressed... Uh, Appropriately, dressed like uh, she's described as a sinful woman, and the people they saw her, they saw it. Oh, this is a sinful woman. So she's dressed inappropriately, and she just comes in and she walks and stands behind Jesus. And then, if things weren't weird or awkward enough, then she just starts crying. What are you doing here? She just starts crying, and then she starts crying, and then she begins to wash the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ with her tears and wipes it with the hair of her head and then anoints his feet with oil. And although the washing of the feet at that time was pretty common, I think anybody who was there was like, all eyes were focused on this woman. Who is this woman that just came in and is doing all these crazy things? And the point that I want to make from this is that that takes some sort of like boldness, some sort of bravery. That she could just walk in into the middle of a dinner and and go to the Lord Jesus Christ. What she did took guts. And I wish we had that same boldness to approach the Lord. And I think the idea is that the woman, she did not delay her repentance. She didn't delay her repentance. I believe this woman had many reasons to delay. She could have said, I'll wait till the Lord after after dinner. And after dinner, then as she, as the Lord is walking out, then I'll, and then wash his feet and it would be less embarrassing. It would be, it would be much easier for me to do that at another time. Or maybe I'll catch him in the marketplace the next day. But the idea is that, no, this woman, she wasn't embarrassed to, her, her embarrassment didn't stop her from repentance. Her embarrassment didn't stop her from repentance. Sin by nature, is embarrassment, is an embarrassment, and it's shameful. Sin is shameful. So repentance and confession is not easy. No one goes to repentance and confession like uh, excited. Or everyone feels a sort of shame, even myself included. But that doesn't shouldn't stop you from going to be repentant. That shouldn't stop you. The moment of shame that we experience in this life is worth it. Because if we suffer that little bit of shame, we receive forgiveness of sin. That woman, although she was embarrassed, I think she walked out, she received forgiveness of her sins. So we receive healing when we approach Jesus. 
And I think these bold actions are the theme of like the, this, this week. If you look at the gospel from this morning, the gospel from this morning in Matins was about the, the Canaanite woman. The gospel from this morning was about the Canaanite woman. And the Canaanite woman, she cried out to the Lord. She said, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. And everyone was saying to this woman, stop, be quiet. You're being annoying. Stop. And she cried out more. And, and then she said, the, the disciples said, send her away. She cries out after us. But he answered and said to the woman, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You might say then, okay woman, Alas, you've had your chance before the Lord. Now go away. But what did she do? She bold again. She came back to him and said, It is not good to take our... Yes, Lord, even if the little children eat the bread crumbs which fall from the master's table, so let me eat. She was, she was bold. She was a bold woman. I think we have to have this boldness without fear to come to repentance. To have repentance. The other idea I was thinking about is like the paralytic man. With the paralytic man, he was his friends. They could have had a million excuses not to take this man and drop him into the middle of this gathering. But what did they do? Into Naimin. Smiles. Yeah. So then put him they were bold and they took him up and put him in this and the Lord healed healed the paralytic man. What else? I think you could say many stories. How about the 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 woman who had a flow of blood for twelve years? had many excuses not to approach the Lord. But because she was bold, she had some conviction. She had something she wanted to ask the Lord. Even though there were crowds present around her, she pushed through the crowd and said, if I could only just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. So she pushed through. And when she pushed through, she was healed. How about the example of the blind man? The blind man who was sitting on the side of the road and cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those who were with them, the disciples at the time said, uh, stop, quiet down. Again, you're being annoying. You don't, don't do this. And he cried out all the more. He said, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And then he was healed. You see, all three people were told to like quiet down, be quiet, or were being intrusive. But at the end of them, all three were healed. If, if they didn't, weren't intrusive, would they have been healed? Would the blind man would have been healed if he sat outside and the people said, Oh, be quiet, don't talk, would they have been healed? No, they were healed because they were bold. They cried out to God. And what's interesting, all these people, you know what was said about them? Your faith has saved you. Your faith has made you well. It was said to the Canaanite woman. It was said to the blind man. It was said to the paralytic. It was said, all these people, their boldness was a, sh- a sign of their, their faith. So boldness is a demonstration of faith. So the lesson here is boldness in approaching Jesus with a repentant heart leads to healing. If you want healing, you have to be bold and go to the Lord and say, I want heal- healing. Another lesson that I like from this story is that the sinful woman... She didn't say a word. She didn't justify herself. She didn't make excuses. She didn't even make a request for forgiveness. 
She didn't even say, Lord, forgive me. The others, they said, Lord, heal. She didn't say anything, actually. It's recorded she didn't say anything. She just came in and was very quiet and started crying and started doing her work. And I think this is sometimes, sometimes we feel intimidated by prayer or feel like we feel like when we go to God, we have to have these long prepared speeches. And actually, the, the sinful woman had nothing. She just came with an empty heart to the Lord and a repentant heart. And she offered a repent. And the Lord hear, heard her prayer, un, unheard prayer, but the prayer of her heart. The Lord didn't ask her, what did you do? What did you need healing for? I think it was obvious. And the Lord knows our prayers. Even it says, for the Father knows the things you have need before you ask Him. So one of the things in prayer, one of the things I wish we could do is just sometimes stand in silence before God. And I think that's actually one of the greatest prayers you can do is actually just stand in silence before God. I mean, even the publican, the story of the publican, how many words of prayer did he say? He said, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Very short prayer. The arrow prayer. That's why the church is always teaching us the short prayers. O Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. The short prayer is very effective. So... Although she didn't say a word, and although she came sort of empty of speech, I don't think she came empty-handed. It's a big difference. When you come to the Lord, the third thing I want to say is that when you come to the Lord, you should come with a offering. You should come with a a gift. You can't come to the Lord empty-handed. So what offering did this woman make? What offering did this woman make? I thought of three offerings that this woman made. One was her tears. Her tears are an offering. Her tears are an offering. Actually, in the midnight prayer, when we say this in the midnight prayer, you know what the first like litany says? It says, give me, O Lord, many fountain of tears. Give me, O Lord, many fountain of tears, as you gave in the past the sinful woman. Make me worthy to wash your feet which liberated me from the path of straying. And to offer you a precious fragrant oil and gain through repentance a pure life so that I may hear that vo voice full of joy. Your faith has saved you. The first offering that she gave was the pouring out of her love. And she began to wash his feet with her tears. And this is an offering that demonstrates the love of God in her heart. The first offering that you can give is offer to love God in your heart. A, a nice quote, only the tears of the repent of repentance are able to cleanse the soul. I, I think this is something we all, myself included, the first, needs to pray more, give me, O Lord, many fountains of tears, to come to the Lord with tears. The second thing that she offered the Lord is her hair. I heard it. It was good. Shatrin. Her hair. She offered her hair. And to me, I viewed this as an offering of the body. You know, the sinful woman actually offered her body to many people. She was a sinful woman. And she offered herself to many. But this, offering her hair, is offering her body. She used to offer her bodies to the customers. Now she's offering her body to the Lord. And one of the nice images I want you to imagine with me is that this sinful woman was sitting at the feet of the Lord and his, her, the feet of the Lord were 
like on top of her, on top of her head. And I like this image. It's like the feet of the Lord is her new crown. The feet of the Lord are his, you know, we say hair is the crown of the females. But this woman, she took the feet of the Lord and made it her new crown. I want you to, to think about that and offer yourselves. Doesn't St. Paul says, offer your living bodies as a holy sacrifice in Romans 12? A living sacrifice to offer your bodies. So first she offered her heart, then she offered her body, then third she offered the fragrant oil. So she offered her material possession. I think this is, this is the culmination of an offering to God. Give back to God what God gave you. In order to make a pleasing offering to God, you should come to God with tears, with sacrificing your body and your material possessions. The last and I think the most important thing I think we can learn from this, this woman is to ask ourselves, how conscious are we of our sins? How conscious are we of our sins? Because I think if you think about it, the, this woman was very conscious of her sin. She knew what she was doing was wrong. And she knew she wasn't living a right lifestyle. And that's what triggered her to be bold. Actually, she knew there's something, I'm living wrong. I'm doing something messed up. I can't keep doing what I'm doing. And so when she knew that, she came to the Lord and said, I need forgiveness. But the problem is that if you are not conscious of your sin, then you won't need forgiveness. Did you, you get that important concept? I want you to understand, put that concept. If you are not conscious of your sin, then you don't need forgiveness. And if you are not conscious of your sin and you don't need forgiveness, then what are you doing here? Honestly. What are you doing here? Because actually the only reason we should be coming here is for the forgiveness of sins. Isn't communion we say, take eat of it all of you, this is my body to be given for you and for many, to be given for the remission of sins. So if you're not conscious of your sins, if you don't have no feeling that you are doing anything wrong, you haven't sinned against God, then there, there's actually no point, actually none. <laughs> To, like you are, you're offering no. There's nothing. There's no need for forgiveness. If you don't need forgiveness, then what are you doing? Then you're saying. But all of us actually we need forgiveness. All of us need forgiveness. And actually, this was the concept of the gospel today. The Lord He said a parable. He said there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed five hundred denarii, and the other fifty. And when they had nothing. To which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Because forgiveness is for everybody. And he will forgive everyone. But then he said, tell me therefore, which of them will love him more? And Simon answered, I suppose the one to whom he forgave more. So the idea is, the idea is how conscious of you, are you of your sin? Are you a 500 denarii conscious of my sin? Or are you a... One denarii conscious of my sin. Or actually no denarii conscious of my sin. If you're a no denarii conscious of your sin, then there's, then actually the same loves little. Then you love Jesus very little. If you have conscious of your sin, you're a 500 denarii 
conscious of your sin, then you hope and you love the Lord a lot because He forgave you a lot. And here I want to explain an important concept, and it's the difference between holy people and unholy people. You know what the difference is between holy people and unholy people? What's the difference between holy people and unholy people? Holy people are conscious of their sin. Unholy people are not conscious. Holy people are living a life of repentance because they're conscious of their sin. And when they're conscious of their sin, they are living a life of repentance. That doesn't mean that holy people don't make mistakes. Actually, both people make mistakes. Just holy people are conscious of their mistakes. There was a very interesting thing in the Catholic epistle today. It said, whoever has been born of God does not sin. For his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. So then you say, Abuna, you just contradicted yourself. Or maybe you guys didn't understand anything I was saying. But the idea I was saying is that if you're conscious of your sin, or holy people means you're conscious of your sin. But now it's saying if you're born of God, does not sin. The idea actually, if you look at this verse in the Greek, and like look at a transliterated version of this verse. It should be a, the present, present participle of sin. means sinning. So I'll read it a different way. That's the literal translation of the Greek. Everyone who is begotten of God is not doing sin. Is not doing sin. For his seed is remaining in him and he cannot be sinning. He cannot be continually doing sin. Cannot. Cannot be keep living a sinful lifestyle. That would be against being born of God. Because he is begotten of God. He said, so the idea is that, and then he went further, he said, in this the children of God and the children of devil are manifest. He said, whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, and he who is not, and nor is he who does not love his brother. So the idea is that, the ones who are not conscious of their sin, they keep on sinning, 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 sinning. Whereas the holy people, they might sin, but they don't. They're trying, they're repenting, they're trying to correct their path. Do you see the difference between holy people and unholy people? Thank God all of you are holy people. Because you have been begotten of God. All of you are, we're all struggling in repentance. All asking for the forgiveness of our sins. And this is why I think actually this point is actually one of the points that's really like in me. Because I was actually just in Spain for the, and I visited many churches and I was seeing many churches and every church they have, you know, the, the place of confession. You know, in the Catholic church they have like the, the wooden box or whatever. So I actually saw a priest one day walking through the streets. So I was like, oh, nice. I'm going to go ask him. So I, I saw him. I said, does anybody use those boxes anymore? Or those just for the like decoration now? And then actually, the, no, no joke. I, and maybe translation didn't go through Spanish, English. And Michelle was my translator. So it was kind of a funny situation. But actually, the priest, he told me no. Like Basically, his answer was like, no, we don't use these things anymore. And he actually kind of laughed. Like, no, we don't use these 
thing. And like, like confession is gone. Like no one does that anymore. Who does that? And the idea is, wow, have we drifted that far? Now no one is conscious of their sin. That means no one is conscious of their sin. It means no one repents. So if no one's repenting, then again, what are we doing here? The idea is that even nowadays the concept of right and wrong is going through like another person I met on this trip. I was talking to them about truth. I was talking to them about right and wrong and sins and conscious of sin. They said, there's nothing right and wrong. I said, nothing right and wrong. I was like, is lying right or wrong? goes, depends. It's like, depends? Is cheating right or wrong? She's like, eh, it's kind of wrong. I said, is suicide bombers, are those, is that right or wrong? And they were like, uh, uh, yeah, that's wrong. I was like, so, what? Uh, we become so unconscious of sin that nothing is right or wrong. This is a disaster in the, like, in the making. We cannot, like, we have to awaken ourselves to be conscious of our sin. To think of ourselves as the 500 denarii. To be the 500, we all have the 500 denarii. And we're all under, you know, and we love God that much because He forgave us that much. So today I want us to learn those four points. One was to be bold. We have to be bold. When you see the Lord Jesus Christ, you have to be bold. Go ask for forgiveness and you will get forgiveness. To come to the Lord without many words. Actually, to come to Him very simply. Three, to offer something. Offer something. Offer tears. Offer uh, your hair, your body. Offer your wealth. And then four, to be conscious of our sin. I pray we all we become all conscious of our sins. And glory be to God forever. Amen. Oh, nee, uh...